We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to this international edition of the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 64. Joined now by our foreign correspondent, Matt Rooney, uh, alongside myself, Joe Musso. Matthew, you find yourself, uh, update me here, you're, you're currently... I'm, I'm in a hotel Belfast? room in Belfast, Northern Ireland, a, a nice Hilton, uh, the top floor, uh, uh, kind of overlooking so you, uh, downtown Belfast, some nice rolling hills here in the, uh, in the skyline. It, it, it's, uh, it's a nice view here. So 30 seconds into the podcast, a, a not-so-subtle flex, top floor of the Hilton no big deal. in Belfast, Ireland. Not a big uh, deal. Will, will, you, will you please, before we get to things here, will you please uh, inform the people why you are on the other side of the pond right now? Well, to, for the, the overall reasoning for the trip, we're, uh, we're, we're taking a visit, a bunch of us here, including the... I'm, I'm podcasting in front of an audience right now. I'm not sure if you know. Oh, uh, live studio friend, audience. friend of the podcast, Matt Siegert, is actually w- witnessing you know what it's like, what, the, what, what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, he, he, he says physically he's observing, but mentally he's as, as gone as I am right now. He's so elsewhere. Fine. Um, he's, we're, still we're, at, he's still at 30,000 feet. We're visiting one of our recurring guests, uh, Rob Gallick, out in Austria, and figured since we're, nice. uh, since we're out here, we might as well stop and hit out uh, a world-class golf course. Uh, so tomorrow I know, uh, tomorrow morning, afternoon here, morning for you guys, we'll be teeing it up at the 2019 Open Championship site, Royal, Royal Portrush. Royal Portrush, as we currently watch the playing of the uh, 2018 Well, you currently watch because the Hilton Hilton here, we cannot find an open championship feed. A little bit Ah, disappointing. It's uh, it's unfortunate. You can stream it. It is 2018, Matt, so I'm sure you can find it if you really wanted to. Tiger Woods just pouring in about a 34, 35-foot birdie putt here to get back to two under. That's a live update here on the Moose and Runes podcast. But been uh, saying it since he came back, Joe. This is his major to win if he's he, going to get one he, this year. You had it labeled as the major to win. Uh, doubling back here just a little bit, I know we had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, Rob Gallic, quarterback of the Garage Giants. Am I right in saying they fell there in the in the they, semifinal? They, they fell just short in the semis there against the uh, the the league favorite Vienna Vikings. I had a tough semifinal matchup, so they are they are done. We're not going to the Austria Bowl, but uh, we'll, we'll be seeing our good friend Rob out there for a couple of days and then bouncing over to uh, to London with him. Beautiful. We'll give the big schnitzel my best. And um, Matt, let's jump into some topics here. We're going to keep it. We're going to keep this uh, a tight podcast because, you know, even us podcasters need a little vacation. You yourself, uh, myself last week. Thank you, everyone, for your patience and us getting back here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Got a chance to steal home for a bit for uh, the sister's engagement party, a little bit of family time. It was good stuff. Played very considered you to book your, your trips home around when I was going to be gone. That was very nice of you. Well, I was hoping to get up to Lost Dunes with you, but oh, that's uh, why you, wanted you, you were busy. You were busy on the bag for your brother as well. Yes, you know, amongst other reasons, <laughs> I am sure your there were. My mother sees you more than I do, but well, uh, my, everyone needs my hair. Everyone needs everyone needs a good haircut, so I, I don't hold that against you, Matt. Um, we are a couple hours, almost a full day now into the British Open, Matt. But uh, we're still going to make some some predictions here because I know you've been. Uh, Lost in translation a bit. Um, who do you like this week? Uh, let, let's put a little wager down here. Pick, pick a couple ponies. Let's call, you know, how we did, how we did a, a couple times ago, a gentleman's bet. Uh, pick a favorite and a sleeper 
uh, without looking at the at the leaderboard. You know, Joe, I'm actually in a British Open pool, and I, and while I did, uh, I, I have tracked it a little bit today. I, I can actually pull open my, my British Open picks here. Uh, so I, mm-hmm. I'm not cheating, not looking at the picks. I believe my my favorite were, was was Rory. That's kind of the guy I liked. He always seems to play well in the British. Um, and I, I'm thinking in terms of an underdog. I, I didn't know if Charles Schwartzel is considered an underdog, but he's also a guy who seems to play pretty well over here. Though I don't think he had uh, that great of a day today, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, um, I, I am not in a pool, but I've been. Does Tiger count as my I, lock though? Because I picked him a while ago. Uh, you did, Tiger. You you get a shoe in for Tiger. Okay. So uh, if, He's if off you want him to you. lock, my picks coming into this one, Justin Thomas uh, was my favorite. You know, just a great ball striker. This course, it it, it really requires the understanding of distance, where you want to land it, what your rollout's going to be. It's just baked out brown grass, and I feel like Justin Thomas has that even keel approach that it takes to uh, to really understand what needs to be done to hoist that claret jug. And on top of that, he's become best friends with one of our friends, Taylor D. So you just gotta you gotta love the uh, the Wesleyan connection. The friends there. of the uh, friends there. The f- friends of friends. So we're pulling for friends of friends. Um, in terms of a sleeper, Matt, I, I know you always give me a hard time for this, but because I kind of go fringe with my sleeper, is Tommy Fleetwood no longer a sleeper? He's Tommy no Fleetwood's like number fourteen in the world. He's not a sleeper. Okay, okay. Are you but kidding me? Just, I was gonna see if I could sneak bearded Jesus in there. No, get out of um, here. He I'm looking at the leaderboard like the right now. Round record in the U.S. in U.S. Open history, and he's a sleeper. Okay, so we're not we're not allowing Tommy Fleetwood as a sleeper. No. Um, let's call it. Uh, yeah, Hideki's not a sleeper either. Um, give me a. I don't know. Give me. Um, is Kevin Chapel in it? Sure. I don't let's know. go with him. That's Kevin Chapel. I've right. seen this his was, name on the leaderboard. This was a this was a helter skelter put together uh, a bet here, but we're gonna go uh, low total for some Pro V One Xs. How's that sound? I I love that, Joe. I think that's okay. A great do you idea. have a Do you have a plan out there to to watch some some uh, some of the open? You know, do you? I think the because, plan is to try and see some this weekend. Uh, tomorrow's probably okay. gonna be a little tough with uh, with us having our own round. Uh, to worry about, but I think this weekend is probably going to be t- the, the the plan to watch. I I was a little bit bummed because I love the British Open on that Sunday. Is kind of the leaders teeing off at nine ten in the morning. So you kind of just wake up, go get yourself some coffee on a Sunday morning, and, and you're you're watching. Now I kind of have the the normal major Sunday tee off time, and not that I don't. Like I was going to say you same time. you kind of gamed it. You kind of gamed it to stay on your your normal clock here. I like that early more that you know that mix up though every every you know once a year there with the British where it's kind of early and it's it's done by about two o'clock in the afternoon. I always kind of like that. Well, well, no one forced you over there, okay? No one forced you to go on your vacation, oh. Matt. But uh, you just uh, have no we're wishing for me. <laughs> well, I can hear it in your voice. You're looking for you're looking for an olive branch. Oh, I'm not getting I'm it from looking me today. for a bunch of sympathy. That's always <laughs> all right, Matt. Well, uh, it should be a great championship uh, weekend here. A great major weekend on the PGA Tour. We'll have plenty of coverage and reaction on next week's podcast. But for now, Matt, let's keep things moving. Uh, the biggest story in Chicago this week, this coming week, is uh, Bears reporting to camp. Uh, it is finally here, Matt. The official start to the I, 2018 I was really nervous you were going to say the biggest story in Chicago was Jabari, Jabari Parker Bulls, is a Chicago I Bull. Bull. I was going to scold you if you said that. Thank God you said that. No, first. we'll, we'll um, get to some Jabari talking a little bit, Matt. But uh, I mean, we're but back. It's, it's time for some Bears football. Football's we're back. back. We're, we're back in it. And, we need to get uh, Roquan signed, get that rookie deal taken care of, get him into camp. But other than that, I mean, we're back. 
football's back, yeah. Joe. This What's is like the, the best day of the year. You see all these. You see all the the guys reporting to camp. You see all this the, the weird stuff that everybody's bringing. It's always mm-hmm. so much. I, I just miss the Jay Cutler White conversion van. That's all. I believe. Uh, I believe the Bears are one of the first teams to actually um, Bears and Baltimore because they have that yeah. uh, the Hall of Fame game. They get uh, the Hall I think of Fame they game. They get the extra week. And uh, yeah, just just what two weeks away? Uh, less than two weeks away from the less Hall of Fame game. So uh, yeah. Gonna gonna get our first glimpses at a Matt Nagy offense, and uh, really excited for that. But you mentioned uh, Matt the Jay Cutler conversion van. Have you been watching uh, Very Cavalier? You know, on, I, I have not tuned e. into an episode yet, but I have made sure just about every every time it's been on to to get on Twitter and and see the highlights that get posted. Uh, yeah, I'm going to at some point, kind of when I get back from all this this travel I've been doing the last couple of weeks, make it make it a point to sit down and watch. I think however many episodes I've missed, because it seems like gotta, TV gold. You know, that's the perfect like. Just got off of another 12 hour flight, can't move for 24 hours. You know, you just get yourself under a blanket, catch up with Very Cavalry because it is vintage Jay Cutler. It is he is he's the only reason to watch the show, and I'm a fan of like. Smut television, of course trash you are. television. That makes a lot of sense. Just to, I mean, I'm not, I, not that I watch any of them religiously or need to watch them, but if I walk in the room, the Kardashians is on, I might catch 10, 15 minutes. I, I'm fine in saying that. I'm, well, fine I'm glad in you're comfortable that, with right? yourself in saying that. But with that being said, this is a terrible, terrible television show. There's, there's zero storylines. They're creating things from scratch. Like the big storyline week one was a girl parked on Jay's grass, and Jay was very Why would you about dare that. park on Jay's grass? Exactly. So Jay brought some cones out, but it is, it is a peek into the life of Jay Cutler, and uh, he is the same human being that, that we once saw. Uh, behind a podium, it is uh, it is refreshing. And, What's uh, kind of funny for me is that the media, the media, and all the people who hated Jay when he was here are loving him for being the same exact person. Yeah, it's he's the same yeah, Jay, yeah. and they're like, oh, this is awesome. He's so fun. He's so quirky. When he was the same Jay his last couple of years, and they're like, oh, he's you know we don't like him. He's mean to us and all that stuff. You can't have it both. Well, ways. It, I know it's, it's a different job. But yeah, it's you same, can. It's simple because. So. Not only is it a different job, it's your quarterback, okay? When it's your yeah. quarterback, you hold him to a higher standard, you ask more of him. He's still but my quarterback. when it's not your quarterback, even if it was Jay playing for, like when he was on the Dolphins, even though that was such a flash in the pan, it was, you know, we didn't have the emotional attachment to it. We didn't, our, our Sundays weren't affected by his attitude the way it was if he's your quarterback. So that's why I think even more so, uh, Chicago media and fans like to see him in this light because it has no effect on us anymore, and we know who Jay is. That's fair. I just I and always now, like Jay for who he was while he was here too. I guess maybe I was one of. The, and now we've the given uh, did that, but now we've uh, given five minutes to Very Cavalry on can, the podcast. Can I ask you? Can, uh, I, can I flip to a Bears question here? Because I've asked this to. A, a that's what we're going to try and do here. Now. <laughs> this was this is one of the conversations I, I had on the plane that, to try and kill some time. Uh, but you mentioned a Matt Nagy offense. It's been rumored, not rumored, but you know Jordan Howard, while he's a very good, very talented running back, isn't might not be the best fit in a Matt Nagy offense. There's a pretty darn good running back in Pittsburgh who might be and, and is refusing to sign a contract there, isn't going to sign much more into one-year deal, probably going to be out. If you're Ryan Pace, why are you not on the phone with Pittsburgh offering them Jordan Howard and a third-round pick for Le'Veon Bell? 
Um, that, that's a very good point, but the bracket which with Le'Veon Bell thinks he falls into could cripple you as a team trying to rebound from a decade of futility. But not um, really because you're not paying your quarterback. You're not paying that much else big money, and NFL contracts aren't guaranteed. So you give him a whole bunch of money for the first three years, and then once he's kind of not good anymore and you have to start paying people, thanks, you're going to be a free agent now. We're going to cut you with no absolutely you know penalty to our cap, no hit. That's the beauty of the NFL contract right now from the team side of things. He's still got yeah, three, three, I, four I, very good years of being, you know, three, four. Oh, Le'Veon, elite Le'Veon's years got a lot of good. A lot of good years. Probably three or four of being, you know, the best running back in football. And then, you know, he won't be the best in football, but he'll still be a very good player. But what I'm saying is, while you're not paying Mitch, pay whoever you can as much as you can, and you know, take advantage of that free, you know, free cap space and go get proven to be the best running back and also one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league in this offense. It's a perfect fit. Yeah, not only would he be your starting running back, but he is essentially your number two target. I don't care who your batteries of receivers are. That's what he's proven to be throughout his career yeah. is I know Ryan a successful pass pod, catcher. So, you know, Ryan, if you want to talk about the particular... Matt, you're, you're, making a lot, you're, making, <laughs> you're making a lot of sense. Um, he's obviously going to be a hot commodity here. Uh, they're, they're talking about Le'Veon holding out into the season, maybe only coming in week eight, something along the lines. So, uh, and from it a really Pittsburgh standpoint, like, too, that kind of makes sense. Jordan Howard's a guy who, while he's not, again, the greatest pass-catching threat out of the backfield, he still kind of does between what the tackles, they want to do. Yeah. He's a great between-the-tackles running back, and, and he fits kind of the mold of a Pittsburgh sealer. Not that I don't like Jordan Howard, and if he's the best starting running back they want, I'll still be very happy, but... This seems like a rare opportunity, a rare deal that kind of fits both teams. I know we don't see NFL teams make those trades that often, but this seems like something that could fit both sides. Yeah, just kind of that pay-for-play one-year type deal is not something you do see very often in the NFL, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it could it could work out, I think, for the Bears and for both parties. Do you think that Jordan Howard and a three is uh, is enough to get it done, though. What's better than about? I would think Jordan Howard and a three is better than eight games of Le'Veon Bell and then having him walk for nothing. I mean, it's a, I, I don't I don't think that's necessarily a fair swap, but I think given the circumstances, that's probably a fair swap. I mean, you can't underestimate. I mean, I'm not trying to undersell Jordan Howard here. He's a very good running back. He's rushed for he's two years in the NFL, rushed for over a thousand yards both times in a awful offense with a banged up offensive line with a game plan that was very predictable and everybody knew he was getting the ball. He still figured out ways to rush for a thousand yards in two straight seasons. Yeah, you're, you're talking about fit though. I, I totally understand what you're saying here. And anytime you can add a Le'Veon Bell to your roster, you get better regardless of, uh, regardless of what your approach is, what your, uh, what your scheme is. He's going to fit. He, he's a, uh, He's a universal fit, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if Jordan Howard comes out and adapts to this offense, whether or not the Bears have any interest in doing anything different at the running back Uh position, or if they feel that they have their, um, I mean, as long-term as you can be running back option. Yeah, and I mean, they still, it's not like they don't have that pass pass catching threat out of the backfield, or Tariq Cohen, I think, showed last year. Mm -hmm. He's very capable of being that, and he... Matt Nagy's offense has kind of featured those players the last couple of years. If you look in Kansas City, he's done a great job of maximizing those types of guys. So it's not like they need they you know don't have that guy, but it would be nice to go out and you know have have two of those pass catching threats, or if, if not, hopefully Jordan Howard can at least develop kind of somewhat of a receiving threat out of the backfield uh, to his arsenal. 
And the jury is still out on Tariq Cohen. I mean, he was he had a very successful rookie season, but his durability, his, his staying power in the NFL is something that will always be in question just because of his size. So if, if you're putting a large amount of reliance on him, uh, on what he's going to bring to your offense in that backfield, then I think you might find yourself in some bad positions. Can he be a uh, kind of a spot player where you're going to get some production out of him, move him around in the backfield, move him to some slots? I think that's where he's going to be most uh, most effective. But anytime Tariq Cohen is touching the ball 20 times a game, you might be in trouble, I think. Yeah, it's it, it. If it is going to be that many times, it's got to be you know creative ways, kind of getting him outside, so he's not, exactly you know exactly. banging in the middle all the time. He's kind of getting the ball outside, you know, going one on one with D backs instead of being that guy. Which last year they tried to I think use him way too often, actually giving him you know carries in between the tackles and then taking on DNs and linebackers. That's that's not the way to maximize what he can do. Matt, while we will have our eyes on the Nagy offense during the Hall of Fame game and everything that comes after it, it's this Bears defense that I believe is going to set the tone for the team this season. I'm not hoping that they're another 13-point-per-game win in a bunch of games, 13-3 to three or, or, or however those, those Bears teams of old were, but mm-hmm. I could see that this year. I could see that sort of dominance from the defense and maybe a little bit of growing pains on the offense. When you're looking at this Bears defense, where is their ceiling for you? Because they were a top 10 defense last season. I mean, they really only got better. I, I think that ceiling mm-hmm. kind of relies for me on Leonard Floyd. Um, I think on the other side of him, you're kind of going to get what you're going to get out of Aaron Lynch and kind of the revolving door they'll have, you know, opposite of, of Leonard Floyd. I think you're not going to get anything great. You'll probably just get some, some fine, you know, journeyman pass rushers out of those guys. I know Aaron Lynch kind of did reach his have his best year in a Vic Fangio defense, so you hope he can do something. But Leonard Floyd is kind of going to be the key to that for me. If he can take that next step and stay healthy for a full season and become that elite pass rusher they drafted him to be, I think this defense can be, you know, they were top 10 last year. I don't see a reason why they can't, you know, improve on that. They've, they've kept their D coordinator. They've kept a lot of the same personnel. They're bringing back, you know, two safeties that we're confident about for the first time in literally I can't remember. Uh, they're bringing back two corners that we seem to be, you know, fairly confident in. So I, I, if they can take half the jump they took last year uh, from, you know, two years ago to last year, you know, this year to last year, this year, if they to make half the jump there, I, I think you're looking at a defense that has potential to be a top five defense in the NFL. I agree with you. And they're going to have to be for this Bears team to have a chance because, this is a stacked, and this is the first time I've said this in a long time, but this is a pretty stacked NFC North. Oh, it's, there it's are, a great division. No there, are, there aren't going to be any walkthroughs. You have the best, if not one of the best, quarterback divisions in the league right now. And this defense and the defensive secondary is going to be put to a test every week. It's going to be interesting to see if they come up and really rise to that challenge on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I mean, there there is no one single easy division game, and that's why as, as high as my hopes are for the Bears this year, you know, a 7-9 and nine season can still, depending on how they get there, can still be seen as a positive and a good season. They, they, they not only do they, you know, have eight or six, excuse me, um, you know, incredibly tough division games that they, they're playing a tough schedule this year so i'm not necessarily of course i want to see them be good you mm-hmm. know challenge for the playoffs but if they don't this year if it last place in the division might not 
be seen as a failure kind of depending on how they get there, I guess, if that makes sense. It's weird to be saying that now before the season starts. But I, yeah, I, I, you're, would, you're st- I, I don't want to see a last place you know finish. But if they go, if, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy and does what he can do, and Minnesota's as good as they are, I mean, the Bears aren't going to finish ahead of those two teams. I contest the fact that you'd be able to consider that any sort of success finishing last in your division. Just success might not have been just, the wrong word, but I think maybe you you feel you wouldn't feel total failure i guess it might be somewhere you know in, in the middle you might not you might be able to take no, some but, positives still out of what they've done but with this team we've talked a lot in the past about matt expectation and kind of the reality of expectation and how that affects how you feel at the end of things the windows in the nfl aren't huge your windows open and they close three years later they close at most five years later, unless you're the New England Patriots, where your window stays open because your roster turnover is fantastic, your approach never changes, or it's always changing and everyone's on board with it, however you want to look at it. But the window is very small in the NFL, especially when talent is as spread out as it is. It's not the most talented league anymore because there are 52 players on each roster. The Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl last year because of depth. They had the deepest roster in the NFL on both sides of the ball. That allowed them to go through the war of attrition and get it done. How good is the Bears' depth? And that mixed with how open the window is, that's where you start seeing success. I think the Bears' window this season is the first year that the window is open. And to do what, that's another question. But to be a playoff team, to contend for a playoff position, they have the talent to contend for a playoff position despite the talent in their division you got to go after it you can't you can't keep expectation at a and i know you want to be realistic with expectation but you can't put that that benchmark so low just to protect yourself it's time now because you have some guys who are getting into contracts maybe this is maybe this is your franchise quarterback and we have him for the next decade you don't know that The Mitch Trubisky window is open in year two, okay? So it's time to start assigning some expectation out of these guys because if you don't, then we will forever be in rebuild mode. No, that's a fair point. I I didn't exactly word that, I think, the way I wanted to. And again, I'm going to draw on the tired uh, pull the tire <laughs> card here, so I've, I've been up for about 30 I get what you're saying, hours. though. Not but a you, success, you, you but get you get what I'm saying. Frame it in a you, sense you can that you build on a you can still build on a, a, a not a great you know record this year if you see some positives. That if they beat some teams, they shouldn't. If, if you see your quarterback take strides, mm-hmm. because they are still a young group. And while I'm with you, this is this is the year I want to start seeing them take those steps and start you know beating those good teams, competing with those good teams. I'm just saying I, I, I don't need to see that Rams-type jump this year to be like, yeah. to, to know that you know they're on the right track. Well, I think that other things can happen. They can kind of head, expect- let me know that they're on that path. Expectation or not, Matt, it's whether or not you took a step forward or a step backwards and how big those steps were. And we need to start seeing the Bears take big steps forward because last year felt like a step forward despite the record. It felt like a small step in the right direction. Now is a year for them to take a big step and, and, and start being the Bears of old. Oh, I think we can both agree with that. All right. Well, uh, a lot of a lot going on in Chicago and elsewhere uh, on the NBA front, Matt. Let's hit a little NBA free agency before we put you to bed here because it sounds like you need a nap. Uh, Jabari Parker, as was previously mentioned in the podcast, a Chicago Bull. What does it mean? Uh, Kawhi Leonard headed to uh, his banishment up north. <laughs> that was in awesome. Toronto. 
in uh, in what might be billed as uh, Greg Popovich's biggest belly laugh, and uh, you can't help but feel good for those Spurs fans up there. Not only that they got a great player in uh, in Kyle Lowry, but that they got Demar Derozan. Uh, pardon me, Demar Derozan. But that they got a uh, that they kind of got back at Kawhi a little bit and didn't let him get his way because Kawhi Leonard for as quiet as he is and as good of a guy and as nice of a guy as he is, he's been as difficult as anybody could be throughout these last couple of seasons with the Spurs. And uh, for a guy like Greg Popovich and a, a organization as successful as the Spurs, they didn't deserve that. So uh, in my book, things went down well for the Spurs because, you know, that's another, that's another good roster they're going to field next year and probably another trip to the playoffs. So, yeah, it's, uh, you never thought they were going to get full value back for Kawhi. And it kind of seems like they got as good of a deal back as they could. I mean, DeMar DeRozan, like you said, he's still pretty young. I didn't like the fact that they had to give up Danny Green. But Toronto probably needed an insurance policy, knowing that it's pretty likely Kawhi's walking Kawhi's next gone. year. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, San Antonio, like you said, I think they did as good as good of a job with that deal as they possibly could, and they kind of did get to stick it to Kawhi a little bit. I mean, he treated them very badly, very poorly over the last year. Didn't do anything to address, you know, the rumors that you know people thought he was unhappy, that people thought he was being treated unfairly. He didn't really come out and speak on behalf of Pop or you know anybody and kind of shoot. I don't know if he down. can speak. I, I honestly can't recall him ever talking in front of a mic. Uttering a word. But honestly, in all last year, through all this time, you know, he, he all this stuff in the media, all this, you know, is he going to play? Is he hurt? Whatever. And all these rumors about why he's not playing. He never once spoke about it to anybody. And I, I think that's, at least if I was in that position, I, I feel like I'd at least at least one time feel the need to, to at least talk and kind of address and, you know, tell my side of things. But he didn't think his his fans the the Spurs the that the organization whatever anybody you know felt they they deserved an explanation and from Toronto's standpoint I think it's a success as well because from the outside looking in you did need a mix-up how many times are you gonna yeah that team was going one anyway. or two how many times are you gonna be the one or two seed uh, or a top four seed and get swept that that's that was their identity that was their DNA and regardless of if Kawhi stays or not, their DNA changes a little bit. So mm-hmm. if they can get Kawhi to be engaged for at least an 82-game season, I think that's a success for them as well. Um, but Kawhi, as you said, likely going to be uh, spinning the free agency wheel once again next season. But that he after, should be fun. after seeing how he's handled these last couple seasons and depending on how he handles his time with Toronto – who wants that problem? Yes, I understand. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year, All NBA, every accolade you could want. The only guy in the league who can guard LeBron James, yada yada yada. But mm-hmm. can you get him to be out there and play? Can you get him to be happy? What does it take to get Kawhi Leonard to a happy place? And do I want to take a risk on trying to get him there? If I'm a coach, general manager, and franchise, the the, the way this league goes, I know what you're saying, and I, I tend to agree with you. But the way this league runs, especially the last couple of years, is you only have a chance if you have superstars, and somebody mm, is going to take a chance on it. Multiple teams will you know will offer him that max because, like you said, that that talent is there, and if you can get him in the right situation, he's going to be a very good basketball player. Hell, he was in San Antonio, and we don't even know how happy he was there. Um, but, I mean, I still think he'll end up in L.A. and be happy there and be very, very good for that team. But I know what you mean. It's, it's tarnished his reputation. It might make certain teams think twice about offering him, whereas, you know, before this year, 
if you ask a GM, are you going to offer Kawhi? Would you be interested in Kawhi in 2019? Before he could finish the sentence, they'd say, yeah, we'll offer him a max. Uh, as we as we delve deeper into these free agency situations, it dawns on me that uh, today Boogie Cousins officially becomes a member of the Golden State Warriors, and none of this matters at all. No, you're very right. <laughs> uh, so we'll see you at the finals next year, Matt. But uh, uh, to get back to the Chicago angle here, Javari Parker, was it? Uh, Speaking two years, of the NBA finals, four, let's get back to the Chicago angle. <laughs> uh, two years, forty million. If I'm not two mistaken, years forty million. Javari? Second, second year is a team option, though. The Bulls basically so, have a uh, one-year flyer on Jabari. Uh, and I like it. It's a friendly contract. They had the space to do it. You get the one-year tryout. Can he come into form once again and be maybe what uh, uh, what the league expected him to be prior to the knee injuries, prior to everything he's gone through? And um, the one thing that struck me and all the D-Rose comments aside in this press conference is he still has the Chicago DNA. And not mm-hmm. to be too romantic about it, but... He still has a great reverence for this place. He still loves it. He still knows what this franchise meant to him growing up. And uh, I think that goes a long way in in just this one-year trial run type situation he's in. He's going to want to make the most of it, not only for himself, but also for this team in the city. And that's what I like about it. Yeah, you could tell he was very grateful to be, and it almost seemed humbled to be back kind of home playing for Derrick Rose's team. I mean, he, he... clearly spoke with very high respect to Derek Rose. I forgot who it was that asked or what the exact question was, but he kind of said like, you know, don't disrespect Derek Rose and kind of what he did here. He's kind of, you know, he was the best and all that kind of stuff. And he just, he seems to which be happy I, to which be Which I home. completely disagree with his comments, but well, I, 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 I respect I, where I get where he's from. coming from. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he, he, there's really no risk for the Bulls here. So, I mean, yeah, you got to pay him this year, but if he's bad, you cut him. It's really not that big mm-hmm. of a deal. You, yeah, you don't pick up the option. Why not? I've, I've seen people on Twitter say, oh, he doesn't play good defense or, oh, he's, you know, overrated, all that stuff, or always oh, banged up. So what? The Bulls have to hit a cap floor this year anyways. They're not going, I mean, they, they're probably not going to be good, but if Jabari does have a good year, yeah, they can actually contend for a playoff spot in this East, which is absolutely terrifying. And if he gets hurt and he's bad, then he's gone after a year so so what i don't really see what like the most i would say the majority of the people are, are happy with and kind of fine with but there's this silent not silent but the minority of people that are very upset and you know saying oh he doesn't fit with this group at all it, yeah he does he's a 22 year old forward yeah he's playing at the three but he's a young talented number two overall pick who's shown flashes of potential why not sign him doesn't make sense that t- people would be mad about this well, Matt, it's because there's always going to be a minority of Chicago sports fans who, regardless of the situation, are going to spin it negative because that's also the place that we come from. It's true. And uh, that is our th- roots. That will, f- that will forever be there. And uh, it's built into all of us just a little bit, but uh, should be interesting. And it's a name. It, it gives Bulls it, fans it casual. It gives casual Bulls fans a reason to flip on a game when they're 500. Probably made Jerry Reinsdorf a little bit happy, too, because that name probably helped boost a couple season tickets, you know, bring back a couple season tickets, renew a couple season tickets. Season tickets, sell some jerseys. It's uh, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Plus, you can play some cool I'm coming home video tribute for him or something like that. Yeah, because that's not played out yet. Uh, Matt, before. Not at all. Before we before we put you to bed here, I uh, just want to get some, some all-star game reaction in the MLB. Obviously, the biggest storyline coming out of it was uh, Rob Manfred's comments about Mike Trout and how he needs to be uh, more engaging and a bigger face, this and that. But what was, uh, 
What was your takeaway from the Midsummer Classic? Did you enjoy it? Obviously, uh, the Home Run Derby, I kind of see an inverse here, where in the NBA, the game has begun to overshadow the skills aspect of it, whereas in the MLB, the skills aspect of it is far surpassing mm-hmm. the game at this point. I and, mean, uh, the Home Run Derby was, was an interesting television, game. I think we've, the, we've seen from that in years. The the new yeah the new format home run derby I mean it's not new anymore but the most recent format of home run derby that they're playing has made for some fantastic television super exciting and um, it was it was the highlight of the weekend for me I actually thought it was a travesty Joe Bryce Harper cheated oh my god and, uh, those are the same cheated. people who are mad that Jabari is coming yeah so. I know seriously I, I'm sorry I just he I saw I, I if I'm saw- down. If I'm some, down some people, eight home runs with 10 seconds left, bring them, throw them. I'm I swinging. How hysterical would have been if, like, Rob Manfred ran out or one of the fake umpires they have standing there, or the umpires who, you know, regulating the event, like, ran out, like, <laughs> waving his arms, calling things off. No, no, you're disqualified. Oh disqualified by yeah, Harper in front of the home In his home city. After he's hit eight in, straight uh, home runs. <clears throat> that was a lot of yeah. fun. I, the, the, the All-Star game was fun. <clears throat> I, I particularly didn't have much fun with it, Joe, because at, at work I was the uh, I was the one cutting and making that highlight and writing the script for it. And you can uh, so, only you can only phrase home run into the left field bullpen so many different ways. <laughs> um, and it yeah. was about a two and a half minute <clears throat> highlight, so I had to show a bunch of them. And you, you can only phrase that so many different ways. So I had to get creative with it, Joe. I had, I had to pull out some Joe Musso type adjectives. Well, we know we know no one's uh, better suited at that than you, Matt. And, uh, oh, it was so it, nice was, a, it was a fun game. It's it a lot of fun game, but at, at the same time, I think they uh, they transferred a couple of those derby balls over to the game. Um, oh, absolutely. And the, they have to. I, I'm 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 a baseball fan. I enjoy good pitching just as I enjoy good, as much as I enjoy good hitting. Um, this looked a little lopsided in terms of the talent, but. Uh, I think that the pitchers were given the raw end of this deal, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I actually I kind of agree with you, but my highlight of that All-Star game, I still think, was actually pitching. I'm not sure if you saw the beginning of the game, but Max Scherzer came out so pumped up. He looked like it yes. was honestly he, he, the crowd reaction and his reaction. It was like game, you know, game one of the NLCS or something like that. He was hitting 98, and I saw a tweet that said he hadn't hit 98 all season. He struck out uh, Mookie Betts on an 87 mile an hour slider, and you know, kind of did a real long walk around the mound, kind of waiting for the ball to go around the horn. Then he rang up Jose Altuve on a 98 mile an hour fastball. That was, if you take a look at the replay, it was about a foot over Altuve's head, but he still tried to swing. And Scherzer was getting all jacked up. It was pretty cool to see. I'm so that, sure. Uh, it was sure, probably the coolest. Sure, the Nationals training staff was thrilled to see him topping out at 98 in a game well, that means nothing. Yeah, probably not. But <laughs> what are you going to do? But tell I can't. No? I, I guess I. I can't have it both ways, Matt. But it was a. Uh, it was a fun weekend, and there are a lot of tight races coming down the stretch here, including the race that the Cubs are in uh, out here in the NL West. It's going to be a good one with Manny Machado making his way to the Dodgers. Uh, looked pretty inevitable throughout all of the weekend's festivities. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun coming down the stretch. We might be in store for another Dodgers Cubs uh, type Certainly situation like somewhere during the three. postseason, and uh, it should be it should be a fantastic watch for uh, for all involved. But uh, Matt, we are we're going to let you off the hook here today. God, thank you for thank you for thank you for following a, a long flight and a day's worth of no sleep. Uh, 
getting out here, throwing the pod together, and uh, have a fantastic time overseas. Uh, tell tell all the boys I say hello, and uh, be safe out there, safe travels, and we'll get back at it next week, uh, possibly at our at our normal scheduled time, a Tuesday pod. Uh, we're going to have to work with that. I'm still going okay, to be we'll, here we'll on talk. Tuesday, but we'll, we will have an gotcha. episode at gotcha. some point next week. Uh, and, and then the week Perfect. after that, we will resume the weekly you know, normal Tuesday schedule. I do apologize again for the, uh, the, the helter-skelterness of the schedule here, but we'll, we'll get back to it eventually here. Okay. We're people too, Matt. We're yeah. people too. So, uh, yeah. Um, That's, yeah. Well, That's enjoy good. it. Enjoy the trip. Uh, keep that ball flight low. Uh, yeah, hit the stingers tomorrow. Gotta hit the low stingers. Take a, take a lot of pictures. Uh, that'll do it for the Moose and Noons podcast, episode 64, the overseas edition with Matt Rooney. Thank you for tuning in. As always, get at us on Twitter. We'll have the uh, mailbag and all the other segments coming back next week, and we want to hear from you guys. We want to uh, make this your podcast, as we always say. Plenty to talk about next week. Bears in camp, uh, second half baseball some major recap it'll be a good time be sure to tune in for episode 65 for matt rooney i'm joe musso we'll see you soon may god give you for every storm a rainbow for every tear a smile for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial i swear i've seen a lot of stuff in my life but that was awesome <laughs> chicken on the state was phenomenal